In this episode of the Big Picture Skiing podcast, you'll meet Josh Duncan Smith. Josh is a British citizen, but actually spends a lot of time all around the world, as you'll find out. And what's interesting, like really interesting about this episode, is Josh talks about stepping stones. And so how he has met some really influential masters, some gurus of skiing, and how these people, each of them have given him something different and just at the right time to help him step, progress, uh, keep moving forward in his quest to become a real master of skiing himself. And I really admire this about Josh and think it's like a great trait and quality in any person that is in the pursuit of mastering their own sport. So I think it's a really enjoyable listen Josh shares all these sort of people he meets along the way and you'll recognize a lot of the names he mentions and I hope at the end of this you also perhaps get some ideas on how you can take your skiing and mastering this sport to the next level and it's seeking out a coach or seeking out these people, these experts that is really going to open these doors and allow you to take steps towards that goal. Enjoy this inspiring episode, and also please check out Josh and Harry, his uh, business partner there, their website, theskico.it. It's just something they've started, and I think it'd be great if you're looking to take your skiing to the next level. I think joining these guys for a week or two weeks on one of their camps would be such a great step. And you know, you'll be able to learn all the things that Josh has learned through meeting all these these absolute legends of the sport. Okay, let's get into the episode with Josh Duncan-Smith. Hey, so I'm here with Josh Duncan-Smith and Josh is tuning in from Italy, Sestria, and it's great to have him. I'm I'm interested first because I got Josh on really the main reason was to ask him about stepping stones or the process he's gone through to get better at skiing and seeking out masters. I would call like real gurus of the sport. But before we get to that part, Josh, like what's the latest, what's news, the start of season, give us an, give us an update what you're doing. Um, well, thanks for having, having me on Tom. Um, so yeah, so right now I'm in Italy and um, we're myself, Harry McFadden and Lena Peraldo, we've started up a business called the Ski Co. And um, we franchised the Rookie Academy from New Zealand. So we've brought it over to, to Europe and based in Italy. And really, we're just, we're just pushing to, to get that off the ground and, and you know, get people to, to come out and ski with us during these challenging COVID times, you know. So, um, so I'm really right now just focusing a lot of my energy on that and, and um having a great time skiing here I mean it's it's weird I, last season I was in Switzerland when COVID was was popping off northern hemisphere and it's the same here in Italy is Monday to Friday there's no one skiing so you have literally the entire resort to yourself and it's incredible and then wow. on the weekends it's mad you've got every everyone is all the locals everyone around the area is all coming up and going skiing so Monday to Friday is just beautiful. You've got the whole place to yourself. The weekend gets a bit chaotic. So just trying to get the business off the ground and, and ski as much as I can, really. 
how long have you been skiing for already? Um, so I left New Zealand in um, October and came over to Italy for a little bit. And then we went to Austria to do um, three weeks of race training on the glaciers in Gitsteinhorn. Um, we managed to get two weeks of training in and then essentially the government, the regional government in Austria um, kicked all the tourists out because the vaccination rates in Austria at that point were a little lower. And so the hospitals were starting to get um, a little bit overrun and in the Salzburg region. And so they essentially shut skiing for one day kicked all the tourists out and then reopened the mountain for the locals. Um, which, hey, I mean, fair enough. If that's what they want to do. That's what they're, that's their, you know, uh, prerogative. Yeah. But um, we got two weeks of training in there and then just been back in Italy. And, and thankfully, the western side of the Alps, it's been a fantastic start to the winter. There's been a lot of snow. Um, and yeah, so, I saw you posted some powder yeah. skiing. That's just like recently? That, that, that was... Footage? Yeah, that was um, that was just over a week ago. Yeah, just, wow. just about a week ago. So it snowed, I mean, must be about um, a meter or so in that storm. And it was literally like full Japan. Like yeah, full, it looked I mean, it. like, yeah, you could pick the snow up and, you know, blow it in your, blow it out of your hands and light snow, deep. And it was yeah. just full Japan. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. So I'm going to get into the racing, ask you about the racing a little bit later. And mm -hmm. also I want to get into asking you, now you get to run your own programs with, with the Ski Co, like what, how do you want to run it? Because you're not running anyone else's thing. It's like, say you get five people, how do you want to make them really good? So I'm interested in hearing that. But, but first of all, we rewind the clock. Like I remember meeting you at Threadbow and I can't remember what year that was, but um, you know, you could already tell there was this guy who was super driven to become the best skier he could be. And from that moment on, I've seen you seek out people like JF, Julio, Takao, Riley, Paul Lorenz, and, and, you know, these people are friends of yours now and, and, and other people that we can chat about. Can, can you start first with like, you know, is that just something you do? Because you also play golf. Like, do you ever, do you have the same kind of like, right, I'm just going to go to the best source I can, not dilly dally around. Like, is that something you do in all sports? And then, and then two, maybe you want to start with like, why you sort out the first person in this sort of stepping stone approach? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if I, if I look at that question, I take it back a little bit. Like I played competitive tennis when I was um, coming through school. This is before I got into skiing, really. Um, I remember I was, it's for me, I get, I love being inspired. And I remember watching my dad showing me Roger Federer. And I mean, Roger Federer is arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest tennis player of all time. But, and, but I remember just watching him play and 
feeling so inspired. And then I tried to model my game, like the way I played off him. And so when I got into the ski scene and got into teaching skiing, I, I, I didn't really have a, a great understanding of, you know, World Cup races at that point and how the season ran and who the top guys were. So the people I met and who I was inspired by were ski instructors. And like, I remember that season distinctly in Threadbow, seeing it was yourself, Paul and Riley. And I remember we had a training session on a really cold day and everyone was freezing and you taught us how to do space turns. And I remember it was just, I was like, oh man, this is so, you know, this warmed us up and it was just this different way. I mean, no one had shown me what a speech turn was, you know? And so, and I was a level two at this point. And so it was, you know, it was just this a different approach, this new thing. And it, it sort of got me, you know, got me thinking, oh, okay, you know, like drills, exercises, like what can, you know, what can you do here? And then Riley McGlashan, um, taught me how to do I'm going to say like a proper short term and he I remember one thing he said he, he just said I was I was in a pair of full tilt boots right so was, and they were they were a size too big mm-hmm. and um, that season I actually got like a proper four buckle boot on Riley's recommendation um, and Riley he told me the simplest thing he was like what do you feel inside your foot and when you ski and I was like, oh, I don't know. So I tried to figure it out. I was like, oh, I sort of just feel my foot didn't really have a direct, you know, approach. And Riley was like, when you get through, as you go through the turn, try to feel your heel. And it just, it just made such a difference because I had like this sort of focus point to go to. And, I, you know, so it's, that's, I think for me, that's the thing. It's like, I, I found people who like, be it Roger Federer, or Riley, Paul, yourself, when I was in Threadbow, who were better, you know, better than me. And I watch them and I try and emulate them. And then I've, as you said, I've had the the sort of privilege to work alongside people. And so I've been able to ask them questions to sort of help the process along. Because did you Um, go after that season? Did you, you went to Canada because you were, you're doing your level four, you right your three, CSIA. three yeah right but you yeah you that's your goal was level four csia mm-hmm. so you went so then after that did you start did you get to work with jf then or was it not until he came to new zealand yeah not not until i came to so after threadbar i went to canada and i again was had some people i was inspired by but at that point i remember there was one video that changed my life and it was a slow motion video of Ted Ligety skiing this pitch of Solden. Yeah. You might, I'm sure you've seen it. I mean, it's I got think that, that music. Yeah. Yeah. That, that music. I remember that music, yeah. it, you know, makes me feel nostalgic when I hear it, but I remember watching that video and I was training for my level three at this point and um, seeing, seeing the way Ted moved inside the turn and the amount of edge angle he was able to cut. I mean, he was basically like lying down on one left footer. He came out over the roll, lying down on the left. And he had created so much performance that it just, 
he exploded out of that turn, you know, went up, lost ski snow contact and, the, and landed on the snow, let the skis sort of track forward, created just as much angle and he was back into it. And I remember watching that video and that spurred me on. So I pushed my skiing as hard as I could that season to try and be like Ted and um, passed the level three skiing, but failed the level three teaching. And because I, I just hadn't, tra I hadn't trained my teaching, you know, I hadn't thought about the intricacies of, of what a good lesson is and how to do it. And so I then went to New Zealand the following year, uh, the following, you know, Southern Hemisphere season yeah. and passed the New Zealand level three down there. And um, at this point still hadn't skied with JF, but I had the head trainer at Cadrona, he's still there. His name is Dave Taylor. He's a Scottish guy who lives in, has a family, lives in New Zealand. He probably had one of the biggest impacts on me in terms of how to be a professional in the industry, like how to train and how to better myself. And, and so like I can, I can, you know, I can take it back to even sort of finding figureheads and people like when I was in school, I was really bad at maths. And then I found this one teacher who was the, also the rugby coach and he had probably the biggest impact on my schooling career. He sort of like taught me how to revise and how to study and got me through my GCSEs um, uh, in maths for sure. And um, it's the same with DT when I was at Cadrona, like just sort of in inspired me in such a way to take real ownership of how to be the best that I can be, how to be better and, and turn skiing into a career mm. and and then I went back to Whistler with that mindset and that approach and I skied with two trainers a guy called um, Otto Kamstra and um, Russ and um, passed the Canadian level four um, that season on, on the first go and it and I honestly put it all down to the mind like the approach and the mindset I got from DT and that season, yeah. yeah, and that season because, and like I've, yeah, I guess with me, if you, I think, I think if you ask my mum this, she'd say, you know, I can be quite stubborn, but if I'm properly motivated to do something, I, I give it everything. And mm. I think now in my life, I have the ability to but I'm 29 now. So I think now in my life, I have the ability to motivate myself. But honestly, when I was going through the, you know, levels and structure levels, I needed to have that come from someone. And I think I got that from DTT. And then I got that from Russ and Otto in Whistler. And then that next year I came back to New Zealand. I was a, I was a full cert in two, two countries. And, you know, I thought I was, you know, thought I was all that and you know hot shot <laughs> and then I met JF and I think and, and we talked about this just before but I think um, at each point in my career I've met the sort of the right person at the right time they've inspired me and sort of helped motivate me and and then I've I've run with it 
like I've really I've, I've taken it as far as I could so I remember paying to go and train with JF with two guys it was John Gass Ali McGrain and myself and we paid um, Dean and Garrett at the Rookie Academy um, to train for two days with JF and I remember just being blown away by the way he trained the way he talked about skiing I mean you ski with JF you know yeah. in his in his you know sort of French Canadian accent when he's talking about oh, ski and suspension or you know we must uh, you know a foot placement through the turn like it's like <laughs> it's a it's a it's like it's poetry like when he speaks about skiing it's like it's poetry and um and he told me he said ah oh, you ski like i did years ago you lift the foot so you come up uh, remember you know don't waste energy up and i was like oh my god you know it was like he opened the door because he it was like okay you're a full set now that's great yep now now really explore skiing like look at how you can create more performance and and move beyond sort of instructor qualifications um and so through that training with him what i took away was was obviously don't pop up so much but it was also there's a world beyond qualifications and so at that point it sort of spurred me on right who else can i find who else is out there who is pushing skiing and instructor skiing like jf is and so that sort of brought me back around to Paul Lorenz and Riley McGlashan, who I'd met in Threadbow and so had, you know, a relationship with them. And then I remember getting to ski with Riley, not Paul at this point, but with Riley in New Zealand that following year. And, and again, it's just one of the, like I, I reconnected with Riley, I guess you could say, we sort of rekindled a, a friendship in New Zealand. And, and at that point, it was, I mean, you know, this is, this is before Riley had anything going on with his hip. And I mean, he was skiing at a level, uh, you know, I mean, it's just out of this world. I don't think I ever yeah. saw Destroying Riley. Destroying the mountain. <laughs> I, I don't think I ever saw him make a mistake. Do you know what I mean? Like, not even yeah. like. I think the most or if he did is, it was like the coolest mistake. it was a trick it wasn't a mistake yeah. it was the coolest trick yeah 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 so so he you know so and at that point it was I mean and he's incredibly knowledgeable so I was just picking his brain all, all winter but really just watching I was just watching and being inspired and it was sort of like learning to ski a different style you know like I had my I guess classical sort of instructor short turns and I mean, carving always, you're trying to ski like Ted. I think, I think for years, everyone was trying to ski like Ted when it came to long turns. It was just how much edge angle can you get? Like how far can you move in? And, um, but I remember watching Riley do short turns and I'm like, and bumps and I'm like, oh my God, like that's different. Again, door opened. It's like, why do you have to ski a certain way? Why mm. can you not have like, you know, why can you not have more clubs in your bag, like more different styles of short turn or, you know, different techniques for different situations like in your bag. 
And so the door that opened to me there was not only with JF, it was there's a world beyond levels, go find it. With Riley, it was like, there are different ways to do this. And, you know, it's you depends how you want to look at it, not right or wrong. It's just there are different ways to do this. And Riley's open mindedness and, and I've got this from mm. him over the years you know, Riley and I are good friends now. And that's one of the things about Riley that I admire the most is how open-minded he is to skiing and his approach and what he's looking for. And definitely that was sort of the door. It's like, he opened it up. Like there are different ways to do this. Go explore, like go and try different ways. I would, yeah, I, I can remember uh like skiing like training a lot with riley and threadbow and one season in particular i was like i'm gonna get better at short turns and riley's the man and i, I can remember him telling me that he feels when he makes a short turn well it's like a heel push and a hip dump and what's really funny is you and i both know as many instructors those two things are meant to be a bad bad feedback yeah. don't heel push and don't dump your hip and he's like but that's what I feel I'm doing. And so it was cool. I was like, I'm going to trust this, do that. And, and of course, like it doesn't end up being the same heel push and hip dump as say, you know, an examiner or whatever is looking at and describing, but it's yeah. so funny that like that feeling and, and taking that, like that like just goes with what you're saying about Riley being open-minded. And, and he's like, I don't really tell anyone this because they'd tell me, don't you, you're trying to teach people to ski bad yeah. or you know what i mean so he keeps yeah. he keeps quite quiet like that's that's really he's quite humble and just like if people ask him for info he'll he'll say it um but he's not out there like ramming down doors saying do it this way <laughs> yeah yeah no totally yeah. there was so i'd say there were two two people oh no i mean oh, dt is in there he's the third but i would say the two people who have provoked my thought process about skiing at this point in my career the most was Riley and then also Jonathan Ballou so Jonathan was um he did back-to-back -back winters for a long time now he just resides in Aspen um I think if he can come to New Zealand again he will but he was um a senior examiner with the NZSIA which is sort of the instructor organization I'm mostly involved with now um, and Jonathan ran technical indoor evening sessions. And this is when I was training for my level three. And then, and then the years beyond that, he did it as well. And I remember Jonathan saying to me, and it always stick with me is he said, let's challenge our beliefs. Like within this room, within this sort of space of people we have, like, let's challenge our beliefs and let's expand how we understand skiing and Jonathan is incredibly bright and very um, studious you know he, he loves to to study and and understand more he's got a thirst for knowledge and it's it's very admirable and and, and part of what why he's so inspiring and um, and so I remember at that point in time like I was getting this information from Jonathan like challenge your beliefs you know don't see just one turn try and see more open your mind and then I, a couple years later I was talking with Riley still 
trying to challenge my beliefs. And I remember Riley said to me, I don't teach if beyond a beginner, or I'm pretty sure he even said that she was like, I don't teach like leg rotation, like a rotation of the ski. He's like, I believe it differently. I, I teach it differently. Mm -hmm. And I remember when Riley said that, I was like, ah, I am definitely challenging my beliefs now. This is so out there compared to what you'd been, you know, that pedigree of ski instructor pathway that you, you know, you get brought up on. And, and so for sure, I mean, I got that from Jonathan and I definitely got that from Riley of like, just challenge your beliefs, understand skiing for what it is. And, and definitely, I mean, that both of them in that regard spurred me on, open the door, you know? Yep. And then, so you did some skiing. So that's New Zealand, Riley. Who came along next? Did you get to, was it probably Takao was the next maybe influence or Richie or? Yeah. So at the next point in my career, I, at this point, I, I, fin I left Whistler um, and I moved to Japan and I worked for Paul Lorenz at Niseko Base Snow Sports, MBS, when he was still the ski school director there. And so this now enter the, you know, I guess figureheads inspires masters of sport, now enter Paul Lorenz. And again, I met Paulie and Fredbo, but when I went to work for him, sort of rekindled a, a friendship and, a, you know, re, we just got together again and, and became friends, like better friends. And Paulie at this point, was was doing the technical competitions in Japan, and so I, the the inspiration for me, the opening of the door at this point that I got from Paulie was Japan and the technique and the way that the Japanese look at technical skiing and the whole you know competition scene and what's going on there. And I remember sitting in a gondola with Riley, Paul, Cascon, and Benji. Um, I think James Wilkins was in there. And my poles were like two <laughs> handles higher than everyone else's in the gondola, you know, because <laughs> we're sitting there, you know, with our poles and skis are outside. And I remember looking around like, I'm like I've got long poles, <laughs> you know, and, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, mate, out in Japan, you got to chop them down, you know, technical competition pole. And so I was like, okay, wow, all right. So, you know, I think at that point, even I was like a 115. So I had, I had chopped down, but I think, you know, I, and that season I went to a 110 in my pole end, you know, cause I was like, right. I mean, why do I need long poles? You know, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not starting. I'm not pushing out the start gate, you know, yep. racing. I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't need to lean on them. You know, I, I just, I need the poles for a purpose and that's to ski with more performance on soft snow, trying to sort of emulate the Japanese guys. And so that through Paulie that season, definitely it, it opened me up to really a different way of performing. And that was in, in like technical competitions. And, and that was really eye-opening because I did the competition that year. I, my goal was to make the cut right so after day one there's there's i think there's about 300 male competitors 
in the Hokkaido state competition or maybe 250. And after the first day, they cut about 100 to 150 competitors a cut because their scores aren't high enough. And so my goal was just to make the cut. And I did. Um, and, and I remember standing at the top of the bumps line on day two with Riley. Riley and I, had, I think I had was bib 134 on day two. And I think Riley was like 130. And they just ran in numerical order on the bumps. And I remember seeing these, these Japanese guys. I mean, this is West Tiger. To give you an example, um, if you've skied Whistler, it's like the saddle. So you come over the roll. It's like the sort of saddle, yep. that steep slope. Um, if you've skied in, well, Japan in, in Hokkaido would be Tiger. Um, in Verbier, it's sort of the steep black on the number side. I'm just trying to give a bit of reference. If yeah. Have, it's a steep, steep run. Slopes. Steep run. And I remember Riley and I were there and we just saw people, I mean, skating into this zipper line. <laughs> there were three zipper lines and they were just pushing in, bang, bang, bang. I mean, a couple of guys would just go like bang, bang and explode everywhere. You know, they were yeah. giving it ev everything. And you would see, I mean, some of them were just wizards. I mean, absolute wizards at skiing these deep round bump lines. And I remember Riley looked at me and I looked at Riley and I was like, I was like, man, I've got to work tomorrow. I'm like, I can't kill myself down here. And Riley was like, I know. He's like, I've got, he's like, I've got a 10 day booking starting tomorrow. And, um, and so Riley and I both, I mean, Riley skied it better than I did, but I, I just sort of like puttered down, you know, I, I just skied a very round line and just tried to avoid the holes and, and just not kill myself. And I just remember that, that instance being like, wow, these guys are pushing it. Like they yeah. really are trying to push their skiing. And so I stayed in Japan for another, I stayed and taught in Japan for another three seasons after that I did the technical competition uh, twice and both times was just immensely inspired by um, by everyone in that scene and trained really hard to try and, and do better the second time I did the competition I wanted to be in the top 50 and I did I think I came 45th that year and I think Paul I think Paul and I um were the only two guys to make the cut because I rightly didn't do it um I think I came 45th and I think Paulie came like 38th that was the year Paul, uh, Paulie had that video as like Spider-Man versus the Hulk thing yeah some, some people might have seen that because I was wearing yeah, you know, red and blue and he had the green yeah yeah and so that was fine because Paulie and I sort of made like we weren't really going to make the the cut to make the finals they don't allow um or they haven't allowed um foreigners to make the cut the state cut to represent Hokkaido at the nationals um Paulie has been the closest I think he's missed out by you know like one or two spots so I think there's probably a bit of a I don't know politics you know, a bit of political yeah political controversy yeah. there as to really but but anyway it, it is what it is and yeah. um and again, that was an that was incredibly inspiring because at this point now I had skied, as you mentioned, in those four years, I skied with Takao Mariyama, both in New Zealand and in Japan. And I'm, I know that you'll and, say and this. So like a bit of 
for a bit of perspective, the competitions you're talking about, the national Japanese one, I don't know how many times Takao Mariyama has won it, I but it's four. Uh, yeah. I think four. So he's four. like, he's been considered the best technical skier in all of Japan at least four times. Yeah. So this guy is, this guy's up there. <laughs> yeah. So you now yeah. get oh to, to ski with him. What do you, what do you get yeah. from Takao? If you're serious about stepping up your skiing skills, listen up. I've been working closely with the Carve team for over four years and they've just unveiled a groundbreaking feature, Active Coaching Mode. And here's the lowdown. Launch it at the top of your run and go through a quick calibration with 10 turns and it sets a baseline just below your current skill level. From there, every turn is a challenge, adapting on the fly to your skill, terrain and conditions. No fluff, just a gamified experience pushing you to ski better every turn. It does this by using a super thin insole lined with small pressure sensors and motion detectors. It's like having a personal coach analyzing your every move. And here's the sweet part. If you hit a hot streak with excellent form and you're in for double or triple points, it's addictive, rewarding. Like I said, it's a very gamified experience and it transforms every run into a step towards better skiing. If you're intrigued, and you should be, check out Carve and dive into active coaching mode. Just Google Get Carve to find out more and as a bonus, enter code GELLY15 to take 15% off. It's amazing. I've heard from the Carve team that now nearly over a third of the users are using active coaching mode when they go out and ski with it. So why not give it a try yourself? And I, I, firstly, I said, and I know you, you, you agree with this as well, Tom, is Takao's one of the nicest men. I've, I've met, you know, he's just, mm-hmm. a, he is a great a gentleman. guy, like just a, yeah, an absolute gentleman and, you know, just a really sweet man. Like he's really caring and compassionate and um, just engaging. Like he'll, he'll talk with you about skiing as long as you want. You know, he, he loves it just as much as we do. And um, so I've sort of had inspiring figures who at certain points have opened doors to me what I got from Takao was firstly it was inspiration just through watching him because I have videos of Takao saved on my phone and uh, he was actually nice enough he actually gave me some training videos of his because I said oh Takao what are you working on in your skiing this is when we were in New Zealand and he actually goes oh I'm trying to change my short turn for the comp and so he he's given me some videos and so firstly it's it's really been just blown away by the beauty in his skiing like he said to me um, when I first started skiing with him that he want he tries to be powerful but elegant and I think part of that elegance is really to do with how soft the snow is, snow is in Japan. Like you can't grunt. You know, like you watch some World Cup racers who are incredibly powerful because of the ice that they're skiing on and the, you know, just the difficulty of the slope. It can be grunty at times, you know, big stivet, hit the edge hard, get off mm. the edge as fast as you can. And it can be a little, um, a little more grunty, I think because of the texture of the snow and how soft it is, I think you ha- he has to be elegant. He has to have a lot more touch 
on the mm. snow because if you push down on it i mean you just bury the ski um and so i remember just, just watching him being like right he told me that he wants to be elegant i'm like you are <laughs> the most elegant yeah. skier i've ever seen i mean it's it's madness you know every movement he makes is it's like a dance i mean every movement yeah. he makes is choreographed to perfection and and it's to create a performance i mean he does generate insane ski performance you know like i've seen him just be like ted i mean like completely upside down coming down main street which is the main run down to the base of treble cone just like upside down on his i think he's got a 25 or 23 meter like long-term competition ski he's just like upside down on it you know yeah and um so he, he generates such performance but when it came to training with him what i got really was it was just it was accuracy it was i think the biggest thing i mean i definitely got a lot out of my own skiing from him you know how to like what, what would you say because i do you remember that that training session he did um where like jazz bruce with was the there and yeah with the yeah. rookies early season and um and i remember you riley and i were there at the bottom of main street like the, the session was over where they're like hammering tack out for more and more yeah. and, you, yeah. and the riley and you were there asking him so where like where exactly you're pointing your pelvis and because remember yeah. he was like talking about like a turntable yeah like yeah 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 like, like so there's I, the pelvis that being was... like on a turntable on the hip so, yeah. so like don't like i feel that unlocked that unlocked something for me literally that day yeah that was I, I definitely remember that session i've got i've got video of that actually i think you filmed i think you did film the whole thing and so we got that turntable bit on video but i think with with my own ski performance i think with takao it's two things i'll finish the accuracy point and then i'll come to what you just mentioned mm -hmm. there but I, i've learned a lot how, how to train like how to be a leader and a trainer from him in just how to be really accurate with what you want your students to do and you know take your time be a gentleman all of that but but really like the way he teaches is is beautiful i mean i've four rookies i've had to edit um like uh training video like i film you know takao said michelle um riley whoever i think it's, it's mainly been those two but um their training runs and uh, training sessions and i've had to like chop and piece it together yeah, and put a yeah edit a video for for rookie youtube and when i edited tackhouse it's and this is not taking away from anyone else i've ever filmed mm -hmm. but it it was the easiest thing i've ever <laughs> edited that hasn't been i know my exactly own what content, you mean that hasn't been my <laughs> own content every piece of information he said linked on from the net from the previous and it all just it's a it all fits into line and, and this is him speaking uh, english which is his, english yes second you know, language, he's getting yeah. better at it but you know yeah. He's, yeah it's not doesn't come easy yeah so <laughs> i so that was when i say accuracy that's what i mean it's like when i've trained with him and again this is not taking away from anyone else i've skied with they're all incredible trainers it was just 
maybe it was because he was a second language, but he's it's just so to the point and so sort of like succinct this is what needs to happen and then he gives demos that de that show exactly what he's saying yeah yeah he and, does exactly what he says it's not like i yeah. think i see what he's talking about you you see it yeah yeah and i remember at um at interski the interski i've been to in bulgaria um I think um, we at the end of this, had like, I had a real decent show on R1. We had about like, I think 60 people came along. I think Paulie had, um, Paulie uh, had maybe like 70, 80 people came along. I literally think the whole of Interski came to Takao's <laughs> clinic. <Tuck out. laughs> he had like, he had like, a, he had like 150 people there, you know, all just want, because I mean, at this point now, you know, with social media and everything, like the Japanese ski technique was causing controversy in some circles and inspiring others and but anyway there was a lot of discussion around it there was a lot of like who, who is Takao Mariyama what does mm. he do you know and he I think he literally had like 150 people at his clinic and he 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 said he's, he had a translator there and he said at the beginning he's like I'm gonna try this in English and it was like mate like awesome go for it and and it was just so to the point you know, with all of those people there, it was so accurate with what the Japanese uh, methodology was and how they wanted to demo it. And, and so that's the accuracy I've gotten from him at, at that point in time when I started training with him in my career. And in terms of ski performance, the turntable thing you're talking about, for me, he was talking about allowing the hip or the pelvis essentially to like rotate into the turn to help with the, you know, with the creation of edge angle. And at that point, I, it was, it was definitely lost on me a little bit, you know, how to, how to make this, how to make it happen. And then um, I would honestly, I'd honestly say in the last two years, yeah, the last two years, like sort of New Zealand season just gone, the Northern Hemisphere season and the, you know, the mm -hmm. Southern before that, it, it clicked for me. And I was like, ah. Okay. And, was, and was it a feeling too? You got this. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, on, it was a powerful, like very, yeah. very strong at yeah, the you top can, of the turn. Yeah. And particularly in short terms. Yeah, like particularly particularly in short turns and um, in long turns, I think you know for me right now, it's been, I've been this way for a while. I'm just trying to really be as aligned as I can to manage the load and the force that um, that I want to generate. So for me, through long turns, it's really um, working through phases of alignment, and mm -hmm. um, and I've been with that for a while. I mean, the hip move, the hip roll is there a little bit but not as much as it is in the short turn and I skied in Switzerland last year with a guy called Jamie Kagan so he's the head of education for IAZ and he's a Canadian level four and um, do you know IAZ I used to work with I Jamie Irish. At, at Silver Star he he and I used to, to go to the pub together and <laughs> yeah we're, it's funny yeah the same people are going staying like in the industry you know and so what, yeah, you got, you skied with Jamie, sorry. Yeah, so so we were, we were in, so I was in Switzerland um, and I wasn't working last season. We were just sort of investing in the ski co in the 
building of the um, company, creating content, that type of stuff. But Jamie runs um, ES Nonda. So he, he's based there and we were living in Nonda and um, I hadn't met him before, got to meet him. Incredible guy, really, really, really lovely man and um, great skier. But I remember we were doing some training together one day and I've been really trying to work on this in my short terms because I was trying to create sort of as much early edge as I can. And mm -hmm. I mean, as we know, you know, if you if you hold the hip back and you just try and rotate the, you know, the leg. femurs, there's this, yeah, the leg, there's so much you could get. But if you allow the hip to rotate with it, you can just create more. And mm -hmm. I was explaining this to Jamie and Jamie was like, oh, He's like, that's, he's like, that's different. He's like, I've seen it in skiing, but it's interesting to talk with someone who's really an advocate for it. Yep. And Jamie said, let me, you know, we, we've been training a, a little bit together and Jamie said, let me follow you. And I was like, sure. So I did some short turns down the main pitch into Nonda and Jamie got to the bottom and he was like, ah, He's like, I can see it now. Cause you can sort of, he's like, I could see it from the back, essentially. It's easy, through transition. definitely easy to see yeah. from the back. Yeah. yeah. So it's like through transition. And, and I think, and now I think Jamie's trying to work on that in his skiing. I think that's what he said. I must say, I did see his skiing the other day, just cause he posts some stuff and I was like, yeah. something's changing. There's, a, and do you know what's like, for want of a better word, there's, it's smoother. Because yeah. I think that yeah. like the, the, the hip roll, what Tackhouse have introduced us to. Well, first of all, I would say that was definitely one of those things that if it didn't come from someone like him, you would you would think someone's trying to teach you to rotate your upper body. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. We, we're, and again, another like no no, like you're all through your ski career, you're trying to not rotate your hip. You know, instructors yeah. will, will know this. And so Takao is saying rotate it. Rotate. And yeah. so it's funny, it's like the Riley heel push hip dump. I hear this yeah, i'm like yeah. i'm gonna do it i mean <laughs> you know <laughs> um but but you know like yeah i think it's just interesting that those things have led to really opening up people's skiing it's just and again it's an interpretation of like like when you do it i think is really important mm. right because i think when people get stung for it it's it's a different time and they're also not really focused on edging as a result of the hip rotation and yeah. the hip rotation thing is, a, is an edging thing. So, yeah. And what was the, th the other thing I wanted to point out was like you said it was like two years. And I just think like something is really important in that because a lot of people say like, you know, Jamie was has been given this like, ah, new thing. And he's like an inter-ski level skier. He's not just got it. And I think it's just yeah. a good message that, you know, you, we all like where work, it takes years. And, uh, and what I think people do is they just drop it because they're maybe not getting results. Maybe that's part of what you've learned is like, get something. And if the season is literally just that, that's what you need to do. Would, would that be fair yeah. to say? A hundred percent. I mean, I've like, I think, so a couple of things on that. I think one is the timing. So like I've met these figureheads and I think there's still one we could probably talk, we will talk about, which is Richie yep. Berger who came last. But um, I've met these people at certain points in my career, like 
to get me to full cert, I met DT and he showed me how to be a professional and how to train. And then I met JF and he showed me that there was a world beyond qualifications. And then I reconnected with Riley and he opened my mind to all types of skiing, right? Then I met, then I reconnected with Paulie and he opened me up to, you know, this world of competition in Japan. And then from that, with rookies as well, met Takao. And he basically, it was, it's on the same level of like, he showed me how to be a better trainer and gave me information to create more ski performance and, and push my skiing further within this sort of hip alignment world. And, um, and so I think the timing of when you hear information, when you get it, is is really crucial um for me i was lucky enough to have these doors opened at the right time um so i could just walk straight through them but mm. with that as your on your point of taking two years to get a click or to feel it is um y- you have to be obsessed like yeah. i'm i am i'm truly obsessed with skiing like i love the like I love trying to master it you know like like I, I this, this literally yesterday I'm um because I'm out here trying to do um some sort of race stuff um for some qualifications still to do in Europe and so I'm, I'm only skiing on my GS skis at the moment I've got a 25 meter GS and a 23 meter GS and just yesterday I went out with Harry and we were filming and I've got one run out of the whole day. I've got one run that stands out to me that I'm, that I like, and it's just, I'm obsessed with it. You know, like I'm, I'm looking at those videos and I'm like, okay, here's that one run. And on that run, run, here are two turns that I link together that I'm, this is what I'm trying to do when I'm, you know, performing along like a long radius calf turn. Yeah. Out of hundreds of turns. Yeah, you know, and it's like I think that's so crucial. Like at this point, you're looking for that little bit of a sniff of like, ah, I can change, improve. There it was, and yeah, I would totally agree with that you see it and you, you just like watch it, watch it, and it sinks into like exactly what you'd done differently to before, and you're really trying to hold on to that. And it's, I think it's amazing today with video and phone, like it's it's. You can accelerate things, I think, faster than possibly yeah. what, what it could be like back, you know, yeah, 20 years ago for sure. Like and what I remember, were the things you liked um, in those in those long terms? What what is it? Um, essentially it's it's just the, the way in which I move in. So I've got a new like the cue I'm working on myself with right now is connected, yeah. particularly particularly my right foot, but I mean both feet, connect to the foot. So like connect to the outside foot and then release the hip. So that's my little in a sequence. I'm, I'm, yeah, in a sequence. So through, through transition, it's connect to the new outside foot and mm-hmm. then release the hip. Now that's, I've sort of, I was working through that sequence, different wording in New Zealand this, this um, summer. But when I came to Italy, there's, um, I mean, just the the instructores so like the italian trainers i mean are just beautiful on piece skiers i mean just 
really, really great skiers. There's one guy in particular who I know, his name's Jack Demmer. And um, he was taught, I just asked him, you know, I'm always asking people, I'm like, so what are you working on? What are you thinking about in your skiing? And um, because we, on day one, I'll just say, like we were skiing and it was a bit icy, um, you know, when I skied with him this season earlier. And um, there was over this pitch, I came in, skied the pitch, but it was a bit slick. So I had to give a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a skid to the ski and then find the edge a bit later and sort of work the pitch that way. Jack came down and made it look like it was, you know, midwinter piste. And I mean, he just, just demolished the slope. I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, right, okay, I need to do that now. Mm-hmm. So um, I was chatting to him and he said to me, ah, oh, he said, it all starts with connecting to the foot. It's like, it all starts with the outside foot. He's like, if I, I need to get on that outside foot earlier, and the Italians have a slightly different style to, I say, what I do. They, they're a bit more up and over classical than, than what I am. Mm-hmm. But Jack was saying, he's like, it's all about connecting to the foot. And it got me thinking about, just that conversation got me thinking about, like, how, how do we pressure the outside ski? And or not necessarily how, but how do people perceive pressure to the outside ski? Because you hear a lot of World Cup racers talk about you, you've got to press on it. Like they'll they'll mm-hmm. say, like you like I've heard Ted say before, he's like, once you find it, he's like, you've got to literally like push as hard as you can into the outside ski to try and generate, you know, force. I've heard when I've spoken to Alice Robinson, she's talked about that. Um, and someone like Jack, the way he was explaining it, now his English is second language. The way he was explaining it to me, it was, it seemed like it was more of a purposeful force application. And, mm-hmm. and it's, that's not necessarily what I've thought about over the years. Like I've thought about a connection to it, but essentially like being balanced on it without a doubt as early as you can, but allowing pressure and force to build to like to mm-hmm. the outside ski not try and push it away because if you haven't created edge angle like enough edge angle some platform angle to let the ski so the ski will hold then essentially when you push the the outside ski will slip away right like what i mean i teach people you know you don't want to push on the ski because Mm -hmm. if they're not if they're not balanced on it they're literally going to make a a wedge right they're going to stem their foot away but talking to jack this season it just got me thinking about like the magnitude of internal force you you want to be applying to the outside ski as early as you can as jack put it and so that's where i've rebranded in my mind the my sort of i guess mantra or phrase for yep. training so connect to the outside ski and then and then release the hip. And so I'm I'm playing around now in these long terms. I think I did it with just the amount of like pressure I'm trying to apply, not that I'm receiving back from the snow, but the amount of sort of force to the outside ski I'm trying to apply. And mm-hmm. then once I have that connection, I then release the hip and you know move in and at the same time shorten the inside leg. Yep. Yeah, cool. Very cool. And like, I get what you mean with that because I probably 
I guess it's the kind of people we work with on on most occasions is not we're not working with Alice Robinson (laughs) you know like so we're we're probably shying away from those kind of cues which leads into us doing the same thing and demonstrating in our own skin the same way but it's cool you're you're again finding another one of those like things that's like huh I need to like explore this and and that's exactly what you're doing and through hundreds of turns you got two (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly you like the outcome of two yeah, that I'm, that I'm doing it. Um, and you know, you, so, so then do you think you can see it? How does it come? Do, how is the outcome on video? Does it look, would you be able to show and say, look, see Tom, see I push? Uh, like, hmm. do you, or, or how does it look? So the way it looks to me is like I can move inside or begin to move inside with a little bit more sort of purpose um, earlier in in the turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly on the Gieski, so on the 23, the 23 meter was the one I was using yesterday. And so I feel like I just have a bit more, m- more ability when I'm looking at those two turns to essentially like, shape the arc sort of in a a tighter radius if that Mm -hmm. makes sense now i mean if you're increasing edge angle you're going to be bending the ski you're going to be tightening the radius but it's just i guess the sort of emphatic nature that i was able to do it in those two turns it you know and but connecting to the outside ski is not a new no groundbreaking thing by any stretch i mean it's what you learn on day one once you've changed some direction it's like okay this is the outside ski it changes each turn it's probably your it will be your best friend you know stay with it you know yeah so um it's nothing new it's just i don't know talking to jack it was interesting i guess in my mind what it inspired in me was am i being too passive in my connection to the outside ski Am I, you know, am I aligning to the outside ski, but not doing enough with it fast Mm -hmm. enough? Yeah. You know, and I remember, and again, this actually got me thinking about, and this is where the obsession bit comes in. I I reminisced after this conversation with Jack about a conversation I had with Jonathan Ballou years ago. And Jonathan said, like watching World Cup races, he just, it was a bit of an off cut, off comment but he said he was like oh it's it's just a race who can get to the outside ski fastest and I, and it just when i had this conversation with jack it just got me thinking i was like oh i was like jonathan said that years ago and and i was like right okay am i getting to the outside ski fast enough and when i say getting there i mean am i doing anything with it quick enough yeah and so that's that's where it's it's sort of that's this connection to the outside cool. for me that I like the and word I think it, it, it doesn't um, yeah it doesn't do it justice does it like the way like you hear yourself talking about it but really like in your mind it's so much more elaborate isn't it like there's these feelings and like you know like yeah. and pictures in your mind do you know what I mean like and I think that's where it becomes really hard to teach and coach skiing because here's you again still working on what you teach a level one find yeah. the outside ski you know, connect with it, 
maybe press on it a bit. Yeah. And, you know, years down the track, like, but it, but it's really, it would be like at level one, a stick figure drawing of what's going on. Whereas this is like a Matisse, like a mate, mm -hmm. you know, like the way you think about the outside ski, it's just, you, you have to put words to it, which really don't do it justice. It doesn't, yeah. it's just like, it's a shame. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like each step of the way, you know, I mean, on that is like the skills of skiing essentially don't change, you know, from from no. a beginner skier all the way to what you and I are trying to do on snow. It's all the same. It's just, you know, the timing changes, right? Like uh, when you're making yep. a wedge turn, you balance on the outside ski later. You know, now I'm trying to, you know, balance on it, you know, as early Upside as down in a way. Yeah. Yeah, like trying yeah. to balance on it upside down. And and so yeah, it's just that that situation changes as your in as your goals and your intentions and you know your performance threshold changes as you go through your, you know, as you get better and better at skiing. Mm. You know, and I remember talk, should, oh go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna just to finish this point off, yeah. actually. I was just gonna say at the beginning of this last New Zealand season, I was privileged enough to have a be able to meet Alice in person and actually like have a couple of like a good conversation with her and being the ski nerd I was I had to ask her about when it changed for her this last season so at the beginning of this like last world cup season she wasn't performing as she can I mean um you know I think Schifrin has said that when she's on Alice has the fastest GS turn in the world yeah. you know so I mean, Alice Robinson's ceiling is number one in the world in GS. That's literally her, where she can get to. And it, she wasn't quite performing that way. And I said, so, you know, what changed for you? Like, was it technical? You know, what was going on? And she, she just said to me, she was like, I was able to generate pressure earlier and I was able to ski my, my line through the course. And I was like, right. And then she elaborated on it um, a little bit. And, and she was essentially just saying the same thing. She was like, I'm working the outside ski through the path I wanted to take earlier in the turn. Mm. And she was like, that's what clicked for me. She was like, I got a feeling of basically being more round as she, she calls it. Her, her line is a round line. That's what she says she likes to do. So um, she, she said she doesn't have the touch of like going at the gate, feathering it, hitting yeah. the edge and then getting off um, as maybe a bassino does, someone like that. She said, Alice is like, I'm more powerful and I'm, I'm rounder. When I get to go round and I can generate this pressure or this feeling of pressure earlier through the outside ski, she's like, then I'm feeling good. And that's what she said clicked. And, and mm. it's, to say, it's pretty much the same. same. It's, yeah she's on a, a totally different level than i am but you know it's 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 essentially the same thing as what i'm talking about now with connected yeah. same part of the turn that's really key yeah. to yeah yeah success yeah. of the rest of it so yeah okay awesome that's really interesting now we we get to richie yeah. richie Berger, and you know so for people who don't know absolute legend he's i don't know how old is he now is he I think no, he's fifty. No, 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 he's fifty-two. Yeah. I think Richie's fifty-two. Fifty-two. Yep. Yeah. But still, skis like an like a beast everywhere. What did you What did you get from him other than like 
in, of the obvious inspiration. Like, I mean, this guy's getting yeah, better I mean, as he gets older almost. Yeah. I, I was, I, first time I skied with Richie and met Richie, I was in Maseko and we were in, in Japan and Riley had organized a night training session for, um, cause in, in Maseko, for those who don't know, you can ski from 8.30 in the morning until 8.30 at night. They have floodlights on the whole front face of the mountain. Um, and so Riley had organized, this is in March. So end of the, end of the, coming to the end of um, the Japanese season in sort of mid-March, um, it's start, the snow starting to go into a spring cycle. And Riley had organized this night session. I think I was there, Paulie, Riley, Benji, Cass, just sort of like the crew that we had, the tech crew that we had there. And it was like coral reef, just mm -hmm. hid, hid, really hideous snow. And we got to the, we got to some bumps and Richie just, I mean, he topped to bottom. He just went from top to bottom. Didn't, you know, no mistakes made nothing. And, you know, I remember just like watching that and I'm like, right. Okay. All right. Okay. You know, this, this is, you're, you're watching, you're watching a, a, a true master here. And so I sort of just, I really that training session, I, I skied, I skied, you know, trying to get better, but really I was just there watching and listening. Yeah. And um, I remember we, we went, we, he took us up to um, Super Ridge, which is just this uh, outside part of the, um, the front face. And he went down and I mean, he made it look like he was skiing powder, like butter. I mean, it was just like, just so graceful. So just precise. Then Riley went down and you were like, oh yeah. And then Paul went down. You're like, oh yeah. And I think everyone else fell over on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it was just like, I mean, you'd, you'd land in it and you would just punch through like, I don't know, a layer sort of this deep of refrozen spring snow. And you'd yeah. punch through into like that corn stuff. And yeah. it was just, it was, it was brutal brutal snow and just watching him <laughs> and then riley and paul go down and so for sure that was my first experience with him and just listening to what he was talking about a lot of the technique was he, he said he likes when skiing looks easy so he's mm -hmm. trying to make skiing look easy that was his sort of message of the night was good skiing is easy skiing um but while going fast and mm -hmm. um and the technical concepts I got from that evening, um, again, weren't anything overly groundbreaking. It was more just trying to go from full line to full line and um, being disciplined, I think, really is what he was talking about, was just being disciplined with the body from these two sort of like pressure phases to pressure phase, mm -hmm. um, particularly in that snow. And... And then went away with that concept. And then we arranged another training session with him that um, spring in um, Kitsteinhorn. So on the glacier in Austria. So that was Riley, Lena, Harry, and Anina and myself. And the purpose of that was to ski bumps. And I have a video somewhere on my hard drive of 
he was talking to us just all about a variety of lines. And one of them was like trough hopping. And I remember, I have a video somewhere of him going on this zipper line on a pretty steep red run. And he hopped every single trough down. And I'm standing at the bottom and I'm just like, how, like, what are you doing, man? Like, how is this? I mean, it was just faster and faster and faster. And then I think the last couple of turns, he just took it back in. I think it's going a bit too fast to keep hopping. So, so yeah, so I remember on that session, or like on the, the three days we had him, I think we had him for three days. He, um, he just, he, it was like a history lesson in skiing. It was, and, and at that point, you know, the door that opened for me then was essentially what, what it could be. It was like a, a look at, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to be Richie Berger. I mean, that's, you know, impossible, but it was just a, like a, a look at, like, you know, like what an ideal career would be in, in a sense. You know, I mean, the man's like at this point now, he was 50 when I skied with him. So, you know, 50 years old and still head and shoulders above. Going up these young guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it was, you know, for me, it was like at that point, it was like an opening a door of like, okay, like this is, this is what you could, you know, this is what you could be doing, you know, carrying on a career. Like this could be the future of the career, right? Sort of being someone like that. So it was more, it was more inspirational, but through a, a, a future Sort of like a yeah no i get yeah 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 because you this this guy is like yeah doing it still at such a high level showing you things that you know like this 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 the trough skipping thing and not just like let's yeah. skip three troughs and stop it's like incredibly yeah. <laughs> you know oh, yeah. well above you know and one of the one of the best things that we got from that was he just he literally just had us in the zipper line basic parallel turns around the zipper so you don't go in the hole you stay you don't even go into it at all you just do like a short short basic parallel turn over the bridge and around and it's really hard it's really hard particularly you know if the snow's not ideal yeah because you and catch ski catches right it's very hard yeah 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 so you've got to be so precise with where your feet are and the timing of your balance and weight change to the outside ski and how much you steer the ski, how much you edge the ski. So it's a real precision. And that's, that's, you know, that was part of it. It was like, if I was looking at him and the doors and the inspiration I got was like being precise and exact with what you're doing and just enough gives you the ability to, have longevity and then if you're operating at a high level for the amount of years that he's been doing it at you know there might be opportunities down the line to build you know a sort of work working repertoire like he does you know like i would love you know future me in this industry to have an opportunity for a group of young instructors like oh let's you know book josh for you know a couple weeks to do a bumps camp like it happened in kitsteinhorn you know i think yeah what, what I got from Richie was, you know, if you, if you hold yourself to this incredibly high standard and you're always exact in what you want and in your own performance and, and you're consistent for all of these years, you're just consistently doing it at that level, 
then then that's where you could be later later on in life i think that's what i got from him and and he is he's a true true professional and a really really just incredible advocate for for um a professional ski instructor like what a Mm. professional ski instructor is i mean he really is really is hey so on the bit techie skiing side what did you get from what was he trying to do with the trough skipping so because that's pretty brutal right like you're you're basically colliding into a bump into like you're not yeah (laughs) you're trying to take it head on what did you get from it what was the so the intent his it was it was the context of it was different lines for different situations so we ran through i mean so round that you're on the outside of it um set like safety checking so like in the bump like like where can you safely scrub a lot of speed um trough hopping um then there was the round line direct line um gosh i think there was one i think there was one more there was sort of like yeah i call it a round direct line but essentially it's like in between around and straight there's like that That's, middle yeah. now takowski's that line quite a lot um yeah and and so yeah so it was it was all the context was it was like he was showing us all of the lines you could possibly do to make sure that you're prepared yeah you're prepared and you're demonstrating a consistent amount of performance the whole way like you're not getting when i say performance i don't mean ski performance i just mean that you're not getting blown up out of the bump. Mm. So he was saying like, if you're going too fast, like if you've hit a big wall and you get a bit back, he's like, you have to then hop the next one. So he was like, you then hop that next one, hop that next one. Now you're, you're back on your feet. You might be going a bit too yep. quick into this next bump. Here's the safe place where you can control your speed. Then you take it into a couple round ones. Then you go direct again, but essentially you're, you're maintaining your descent and you're demonstrating great skiing, even though things to you feel a bit off and you're having to change lines. Yeah. So, so that was the the context behind that. And then, um, yeah, we, with Richie, we did, we asked, yeah, we did some, we did a bunch of exercises. We did a lot of exercises, um, you know, wanting to know sort of what, like how he trains himself when it comes to drills um one of the big ones he does is in the morning and i i do this every now and again um don't let your poles touch the ground when you're warming up your first like two runs of the day like don't let your poles touch the ground at all don't pole plant just discipline there so when you move inside your inside pole doesn't touch Mm. and it's like skin the snow poles basically almost yeah yeah yeah. yeah pretty 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 much yeah it's just scheming the pole, but but you have you have them there and yeah so yeah so that was that's one of his warm-up exercises and then we got into um like sit down hockey stops i thought was really fun i'd never yeah. seen that before i've sort of taken taken that on and i, I love that <laughs> exercise um and you know as a way to move inside but doing yeah. it in a in a really slow Safe. way yeah like a really slow and safe way yeah you don't have to go fast but you get a feeling for moving inside and then also 
you feel the alignment because sometimes people like come in and sit back you know mm. in, in a sit down hockey stop and he's like no this is bad you have hip counter and you're behind the center of your feet so it teaches people that you know i think honestly one of the one of the biggest feelings that skiers have to get when they're trying to take their skiing to the next level particularly if they want more performance out of the ski is to work the ski like to move the ski through the arc to move it forward through the arc but at the same time their, their body or their center of mass has to move with that ski as it yeah. comes through you yeah. know so it's like um yeah, so I think that's one of the big, and that's something that we got from Richie, and and he showed us that in the sit down hockey stop, um, you know. So so yeah, a bunch nice. of it was a great, really great three days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think like he and Riley in particular are drill drill people, like mm -hmm. let yeah. the drills do the teaching, and and I think yeah. probably the most consistent way a skier could get better is drills right like get good at all these different drills and yeah i think a lot of people yeah. skip that people they just don't want to do the time yeah and i remember um i remember when i was training for my basic level two and this stuck with me this has stuck me all the way through um the trainer i had his name was rupert tilsley a, a basic guy and um he said I had at this point I was quite into freestyle skiing, so I had quite baggy clothing. <laughs> and um, he said to me, he was like, "I can't see what your legs are doing. Your pants are too baggy. <laughs> you have to exaggerate the movement. You have to exaggerate the drill." And I did it, and I kept doing it because he kept telling me to exaggerate it. And my skiing changed, funnily enough. Funnily. And <laughs> yeah, funnily enough. And um, and so that I think that's one of the things is like doing an exercise, but in the, the purpose of the exercise is essentially to break down and isolate a movement pattern that in, you know impacts the ski right for a certain yep. performance and so you, you exaggerate it and you repeat it and then over time it, it builds in and you don't have to do the exercise yeah because you get that feeling you just need that feeling right and i feeling, think people yeah. they do the same crap inside of a drill even though it's mm. you know might be to try and help it but they're feeling the same feelings and like to rupert's thing like keep doing it keep doing it it's kind of yeah. probably lucky you had baggy pants in a way it was like yeah he, he was like you know of course you couldn't see yeah. it yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 that's awesome um josh we're we're coming up on a pretty good amount of time here and mm. so maybe we should wrap it up but i've i've really enjoyed chatting with you again i i feel like these podcasts are cool like this is probably a very normal conversation. Like we catch up in New Zealand. I don't think it would yeah. be very different, you know, over, yeah, over a pint of beer, you know, like we just were obsessed with it. Hopefully people have been, enjoyed that. And I think there's a ton of stuff in there. I just, yeah, I've been really wanting to, to chat with you because of like, you know, if I had, if I had a visual like artist's impression of you, it would be you skiing with like all these different, you know, like, part of you would be Japanese, part of you would be French Canadian, part of you would be Australian. Yeah. Part of, do you know, like, um, it's just such a cool melding because you're not just looking for one, uh, one source. You, you keep exploring. And I think it, 
yeah. it shows up in your skiing, man. It's a, your skiing is, is incredible. So keep it up. On that, if people this season keen to get skiing with you in Italy, what, mm-hmm. what would a week, you know, now you can run your thing. You're not running it under as, as SIA or under anyone else's thing. It's like your program. How do you give us a quick rundown of like what you would do with people? Uh, well, I mean, you know, firstly, I'd just really want to connect with people, get to know them, you know, make sure that we're all on the same page about what we want out of our skiing um, and then try to, you know, inspire them through my ability to explain skiing and demonstrate skiing um, and help people overcome whatever barriers they might have to to reach that that next level in in performance. You know, I think that's something that I've got all, all throughout all of the stepping stones or doors that have been opened for me as, as we've talked about here is, is, is just, I have like an open mind to skiing and it doesn't necessarily matter the way you look, but there are some sort of, you know, crucial points in the turn where your physics and biomechanics dictate what you need to be doing. And essentially a week with me is understanding those truths. So the physics of how the ski works and the biomechanics of how the body needs to align to to handle force. And then once we understand those truths, we're on the same page about them, then it's just learning through experience and and trying to sort of overcome hurdles of, of performance, you know? nice man i would i would sign up if i could get over there easy i'd like after this you've inspired me i would i would just be like right just give me the stepping stones drills all the key yeah. you know bits that helped you and i'd be like soaking that up um yeah so so cool so thanks so much josh if people want to get in touch and actually do that where should they go um i mean any social media yeah, any social media platform. So send me a message on Instagram, um, comment on YouTube, or um, if you, we have a, a website, it's just www.theskico.it. Theskico.it. Great. Theskico.it. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, same so, thing. Um, Josh Duncan Smith on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Duncan Smith on Instagram. Awesome. Um, and yeah, and, and I'm sure um, people will find just you. reach out. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah. And and hopefully we'll get to ski together in New Zealand this summer. Hopefully, yeah. New Zealand's open up a little bit more. I think, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. And we get to know and the rest of the world can come to New Zealand too. Like, I mean, that's what you're probably saying. But yeah, I I truly hope so too. It'll be cool to get the the rookie academy happening full charge again. So thanks again, Josh. Yeah. Pleasure. Thank you. Some of you may already know that I've been advising Carve and working with the team for some time now. And this year, the team has come up with probably some of the most exciting developments to date. They've been working on representing the most fun parts of skiing in their system. They've developed three brand new metrics, progressive edging, early weight transfer, and one that measures the G-force in a turn. 
And that one, I have to say, I got to try it out this winter in Australia, and that is really fun. This new addition is going to be incredible for anyone who's looking to really push their skiing up a notch. Now, what's even more interesting for this year is the system now detects what terrain you're on and pulls that into your ski IQ score. This is a huge change and a great upgrade because sometimes it would only really score well if you were skiing on perfectly groomed snow. Now it's going to accommodate and adjust whether you're skiing in steeper slopes, more chopped up snow or firmer snow. So this is a very big change that I think is massive kudos to the team to keep pushing and progressing the app even further. If you're the kind of skier that is looking for a tool to help push your technique that little bit further, then you should definitely check out what Carve can do. Use the code GELLIE15, that's G-E-L-L-I-E-1-5, to get 15% off for the next two weeks.